Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for your goodness, and we thank you for loving us. We thank you that we thank you that you are the God of the universe and the God of our very souls. And Lord, we thank you for your word, a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We thank you for your spirit who guides us into all truth. And we ask that you would just guide us now and you would be the one to navigate us. And so have your way with us, Lord, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you are visiting, I will tell you this. Uh, we did this last year, the, uh, the beginning of the year, and it just seemed right to do it again this year. I don't know that we'll do it every year, but um, it seems healthy to do what I would call um, just kind of a state of the church 2024, kind of where we are as a church and kind of make sure we're all kind of on the same page and and all of that. And sometimes you come into a church and you're kind of like, what's... What's the vibe there? And, and sometimes, you know, and those are real, real questions for real people, and uh, it's, it's healthy to know that. So having said that, um, if you've been here for a while, nothing I say t- today would surprise you. And uh, if you've heard me talk for much at all, you'd probably say nothing that I say will surprise you. You might even find some of it uh, things you've heard before. Um, but it's probably healthy for us to do kind of as a group. Is that fair? Like, for example, you'll hear me say, is that fair? Have I ever done that? Yeah, yeah, I do it all the time, right? So if you don't like that, then you're in the wrong place. (laughs) All right? Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) Two minutes into it, I don't think I've offended anybody yet, but we'll keep trying. All right. There are two ways, in my mind, to quote-unquote do church, okay? Two ways to do church. This will come as a quiz, all right? I'll, I'll, I'll articulate the two ways, and then at the, uh, afterwards I'll ask you which do you think is the right way, or which is the way you'd like to see us done, or which is the way you think we ought to be doing. Fair enough? Way number one. See, I did it again. So is that fair enough is kind of a variation on is that fair. So way number one, this is, how, this is what a church ought to do. Have goals, set a strategy, decide where we want to go, what we want to do, what we want to be. Decide what are the barriers to get there, how to set strategies and have a few meetings and maybe a few more meetings and a few subcommittees to establish how to get there, overcome those barriers, reach our goals, have like, well, I won't go, I'm, I'm giving away that this is the wrong answer. Um, I was going to say have inspirational posters all over the wall. Um, and, 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 and arrive at that goal. That's one way to do church. That's not unreasonable, frankly. And lots of well-intended folks do that, right? And I don't mean to make light of it. The second way is to say, where does God have us and where is God leading us? And how do we follow God? And 
we've already kind of divulged that that's the right answer. That's the answer we want to seek, right? Where is God leading us? And how do we just simply follow him obediently and faithfully? I would argue that that's what we want to do in our own individual lives, and that's what we want to do collectively as a church. Is that fair? And it's fundamentally different than setting a goal and trying to reach it. Because if you think about it, setting a goal and trying to reach it is all man man initiated, man executed. We ask God to bless it a little bit, but by and large, it's a man-made endeavor. And here's what I find more and more is the problem. The goals are usually something, they're well-intended, but they're usually some sort of goal that has to do with reaching our culture, okay? And I don't know if you've noticed, but reaching our culture where it's at becomes increasingly problematic as the moral decay becomes exponential. I think perhaps God would like to have a church that rises above the culture, not in a pompous way or a self-righteous way or anything like that, but just to provide an alternative to strategizing in the culture. Does that make sense? So I'm not opposed to reaching the culture. I'd love to reach the culture. I would love for every citizen in Madison and beyond to follow the Lord according to his word by the power of his Holy Spirit in the way articulated in the, in the Bible. I'd love to see that. I'd love to, so in that regard, would I love to see this church keep growing? Absolutely. Is that, our, is that our primary goal? Absolutely not. Our primary goal is to follow the Lord. You know, in the, in the Old Testament, when the Jewish people were, were wandering in the desert, right? There was the pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, right? And there were times when the cloud stayed, and they stayed. There was times when the cloud moved, and they moved. And they simply followed the Lord wherever he led them. And that's what we need to be doing. Is that fair? So, where do we find ourselves uh, at this state? And what are some principles that are guiding principles? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. If it helps you to plan ahead, I'll read 2 Timothy chapter 3 briefly, and then I'll go to Acts chapter 1, and then I'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Second Timothy chapter 3, starting verse 16. All Scripture, how much? How much? Even the boring parts? Even the, uh, I want to be a little bit politically correct, but even the clobber verses? Yeah, because here, just pause for a second. There are what's called clobber verses. I don't know if you've noticed, if you've heard this phrase used. There are, phrase, there, there are verses, particularly in the Old Testament, where God seems harsh. And some people will use that to uh, maybe argue against the Scripture. But here's the problem. We need, we need to know all Scripture in its proper context. If we know all Scripture in its context, then we can understand the heart of God. And God is fundamentally a gracious, loving, merciful God. And we need to know that and we need to embrace that. 
And so, yes, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We need to do every good work. We need to be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Look at the number of absolute words in that sentence. All Scripture. And it is given for for by inspiration of God, it's profitable for all these things. That the man of God may be complete, that's an absolute word. Thoroughly equipped, thoroughly is an absolute word. For every good work, every is an absolute word. You see that? God wants us to know his word. God wants us to know his word. And by the way, if you ever struggle with the authority of Scripture, like how do we know the Bible is real and all that kind of stuff, can I tell you, if you ever have those kinds of questions, please ask me. I've got a great book, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. We pass them out all the time, okay? That if you look at the number of manuscripts of the original uh, Scriptures and all of those kinds of things, there's just overwhelming evidence that the Bible is authoritative. The Bible is inspired. It's inerrant. It is infallible cover to cover and as a as a as a church here we absolutely stand on that we absolutely stand on that because you know we need truth the scripture is truth we live in a world that is redefining truth and we live in a world that's even redefining truth in the in the church by taking scripture out of context to redefine truth according to our own agendas. And we need to be people, we need to be a body that stands up for the entire word of God. And the only way we can really have a proper grasp on how to know God and follow God is to know the word that he gave us and to know it in its entirety and to know it in its context. And that's why we study it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line by line. Next week, we start the book of Amos. My guess is many of us probably never sat through a verse by verse Bible study on the book of Amos, but we're going to do it. You know why? Because it's part of all scripture. And you know what we want to be? Thoroughly equipped. You know what we want to be thoroughly equipped for? Every good work, every single one. And so that's how we, um, that's how we do this. Another thing, just in terms of, of the validity of Scripture, Bible scholars tell us that there were nearly 300 references to 61 specific prophecies of the Messiah in the Old Testament that were fulfilled by Jesus. Okay? 300 references to 61 prophecies that were all fulfilled very specifically. Nate went through it, uh, some of it last week. Uh, very specifically fulfilled by the first coming of Jesus. Now, the odds against one person fulfilling eight of those prophecies are 1 in 10 to the 21st power, okay? So it's like putting a, you've heard all these examples, right? You put a silver dollars, a, a stack of silver dollars, 120 feet high uh, over the, basically over the world, and one of them is gold instead of silver, right? Somewhere in that pile, and you find, and you find that one. You say, go find that, that coin, that gold coin. If you find it, that's the same as, as same chances as fulfilling eight of the prophecies. Jesus fulfilled 61 of the prophecies, 300 different references to them. The Bible is authoritative. The Bible is truth. 
in a world where truth is being redefined by the minute, we can stand on the truth of the gospel, the truth of the entire word of God, the truth of the Bible. And so that's, that's foundational to who we are. And so in terms of the New Testament, uh, the New Testament really gives us an example of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, gives us examples of the history of the early church, the book of Acts, gives us letters that uh, were written, many by Paul as well as others, uh, to the church. That's Romans through Revelation. That's basically the New Testament, right? So we have the Gospels, the life of Jesus, right? We learn from that that if we consider the life of Jesus for our individual lives, we know that he died for us. We know that we were born into sin. We know that we have a sin problem that we were born with that eternally separates us from God. And we know that the only solution to that sin problem is not by us jumping through a million religious hoops, which is tiresome and futile, but by the fact that Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, in ways that we can't comprehend, came to earth, died on it, lived a perfect life, died on a cross as the payment for my sin and your sin. And so that those of us who would receive him would say, thank you, Lord. Can you apply that to my account? He says yes, and we're what we call saved. That's what we learn from the Gospels, right? And not only are we saved, meaning we, we go to heaven when we die, but we have opportunity for abundant life here on earth as we follow him. And that's what we want. He says, I came that they may have life, and they may have it abundantly. And so that's what we want. Then it goes on from the, as we look at the Word of God, we go on from the Gospels, we go to the book of Acts, right? The book of Acts is God's institution of the first church. Maybe we could learn something as a body here as we seek to follow the Lord as opposed to making our own strategy. What does the book of Acts say about this? Turn to Acts chapter 1. When you're there, say there. I do that all the time, too. Acts chapter 1. You know, Acts was written by, uh, by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and Acts is just sort of a part two, if you will, of the, the, uh, the story written by Luke to uh, describe what happened in that early church. And if you look at verse 4 of chapter 1, we see Jesus' final instruction before he uh, ascended. He said, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So a couple things I want to point out about this. Number one, this is, this is Jesus' really final instruction to his disciples, okay, was wait. His final instruction was wait. Wait for what? Wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, you ever had a, you ever trained a dog? 
Try to. That's what we did. You tell the dog to sit, right? Like, wait, right? What's a dog do? Does a dog ever act like you? Yeah, you mean like 12 seconds, right? Because pretty soon my tail's going to start wagging and I'm going to start getting antsy to move on, right? No, he said wait. And it's interesting, he didn't tell him to wait. He didn't say how long to wait for. He didn't give him any further uh, specifics. They even tried to kind of intercept him. Oh, now is this now we're going to thump the Romans? And is this the time to to restore the kingdom to Israel? He's like, no, just wait. That's hard, isn't it? Just wait. But that was his instruction, and it was very specific. He told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. He knew that they were going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish accomplish his purposes. And the same applies to us. You know, sometimes when we think of the work of the Holy Spirit, we think of, well, different, depending on your background, you have different perceptions, right? But what's the work of the Holy Spirit going to do to the first church? The Holy Spirit is simply going to empower them to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The primary work of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to live out the gospel and to share the gospel with others by our lives and by our words and by our actions. And so we are called to do a supernatural work. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I believe with all in my heart the Lord is doing supernatural work in this body here even today. I'm convinced. I'm convinced of it. And so if we're going to do a supernatural work, and and really what's the ultimate supernatural work? The changing of a human heart right? Making me not be a selfish, stubborn, boneheaded, all about me, taking good care of number one guy, right? In order to pull that off, that requires supernatural power. And it's really the the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us to change. And by the way, we should all come in here willing to be conformed to be more like Jesus, right? Romans chapter 8. We're all being conformed into the image of Christ. And so change is something that we should all be okay with, right? And so um, that requires supernatural strength. Have you ever tried hard to be a good person? Have you ever tried hard to be a good person? How's that work? We need supernatural strength, right? So he told him to wait. Fair enough. And then I won't go for the sake of time. Um, you know, then they gathered. And then uh, if you flip, over to, flip ahead to verse 15. So they're hanging out. What are they doing that Jesus told them to do? Waiting. They're hanging out. Waiting. Waiting. And then in those days, while they're still waiting... If you're like the dog, or me, or Peter, you're like, yeah, I'll wait, but like, can we like do something while we wait? <laughs> right? Peter's wagging his tail here again in a minute. He says, you know, he stood up, and again, in the interest of time, I'll say this. He stood up and he said, you know, there was 12 of us. Judas hung himself. Now there's 11 of us. 
So we need a 12th guy, right? What is this? This is the first New Testament board meeting. Am I right? It's the first New Testament board meeting. We had 12. Seems like it's a good number. 12 tribes of Jacob, blah, 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 right? 12 is a number that kind of show, seems to show up through the, through the Bible. Peter even throws in a little uh, Old Testament reference. Let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. So, you know, he's using Scripture, right? And he's like, we need a 12th guy. So, let's, so therefore, um, you know, let's find these men, some of the guys who've accompanied us all this time that the Lord Jesus went in and went out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day that he's taken up from us. One of these must become a witness of us with his re- of his resurrection. And so they picked out two guys, Joseph, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he's the 12th guy. First board meeting, check the box. We got the minutes to the board meeting right here, Acts chapter 1. There's a problem. Anybody do, ever do a biography on, the, on, on Matthias, the 12th disciple? You ever do a biography? If, you ever, if your kids ever, um, if your kids, if your parents ever ask you to do like a biography on a biblical character and you're lazy, pick Matthias. There's nothing else said about him in the New Testament. Right? That's how I got it through school. <laughs> he said to those who entrust him with their medical care. So, <laughs> right? Matthias. Like, once there was a man, you could make a limerick out of Matthias maybe, but not a term paper, Right? There's nothing else mentioned about this guy. I'm sure he's in heaven, I hope. But we know nothing about the guy. What is Matthias? Matthias is the picture of what happens when a group of well-intended people set the goal, fail to wait on the Holy Spirit, Maybe throw in a little scripture, throw in a little strategy, throw in a little logic. It all makes sense. We had 12. Now we have 11. Let's find two guys that have been with us from the beginning, and let's pick one, and his name will be Matthias. First church, first church board meeting, right? Most Bible commentators say, actually, the 12th guy, you, you're kind of right, Pete, but the 12th guy was actually... Saul, the guy who's presently going to start killing Christians. That was the 12th guy, right? Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Not for some dramatic thing that will call attention to you, but simply for wisdom and the ability to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Don't trust in your board meetings. So as a body, again, I said who we are, right? We're all about the Word. We're all about being led by the, by the Holy Spirit. We want to be led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So shortly after this awesome board meeting that 
uh, generated this, this 12th disciple, Matthias, who we know nothing else about, all of a sudden then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit does in fact come, Peter preaches, and now 3,000 people get saved. Which do you think is a more uh, who we want to be, right? We want to be an Acts chapter 2 church instead of an Acts chapter 1 church, right? And so uh, there's lots of great things that happen. I like the su- sort of the summary statement in my mind at, at least. If you go to Acts chapter 2 verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. These people as a body, they were the, they were, this was the first church. And they just did life together, right? They were all about uh, the apostles' doctrine. For us, that's teaching the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line by line. They were all about fellowship. For us, that means we are intentional about fellowship. They're all about breaking, breaking of bread. That's remembering the Lord's Supper and, and the fellowship of fellowship meals, right? We're all about that. And prayers. It's very intentional that I say find somebody you can pray for and give you time to do that, right? We have prayer once a month uh, on Sunday nights here. Last Sunday of the month, generally, we have, have prayer night here, right? We, people pray for one another. We have a prayer chain, right? That's, a, that's an important part of what we do. So we're just simply trying to follow the Lord. We follow him by his word. That's the blueprint. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what allows us to do it. And as we do it, we do it together. We carry this out. So um, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So how does this work as a group? That's a fair question. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. As I mentioned, if you don't know, if you're a visitor, I'm a family doctor. And so I'm always intrigued by this analogy that Paul uses uh, to compare the body of Christ with the human body. And so, you know, there was the original group <coughs> there in Acts chapter 2. There are many groups now, right? Many gatherings like this that happen all over our town and all over our, our world. And we're just one of them. But perhaps the Lord would say something to us today as a body. And so... You know, we lay the foundation, if you will, the, the Word and the Spirit. But, and then as it plays out for us as a body, let's consider these words. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit for in fact the body is not one member but many and so here's the here's the thing the body is one body okay the human body my human body here is one body okay the body of Christ is one body well there's a couple of different applications to this number one this body is one body okay and it has many members. Fair enough? The second application is the body of Christ is one body, and it has many, if you will, member churches. Fair enough? And so as we look to that, it's, it's important that we see ourselves as that way. We're not like 
trying to be the champion church. We're just trying to be a healthy member of a healthy body, right? But as we do that, as we kind of dial that down to who we are as a group, we want to be a healthy body with healthy members. And you know, part of that means that takes the pressure off of us, I believe, is a, little, a little bit. If I say this church is a member of the overall body of Christ, right? There are different churches all over the world that are following the Lord, doing what he's calling them to do. And we don't have to be that for everybody. We don't have to be the all-encompassing church that meets the needs of every single person because there are different members, different people with different bents, different theology. Do you know there's going to be people in heaven whose theology doesn't match up exactly with yours? Can you believe that? Do you know that there are going to be people in heaven that don't look and act just like you? Isn't that crazy? Now, some of you are smiling and some of you are like, serious? No, that can't be. Yeah, it can. Okay, so we're just, we don't, we're not, we don't have the corner on the market, right? We're just trying to be a healthy member, okay? And as this member, we want to have healthy members, but we want to be, so for our purposes, we'll talk about this being one body. Is that fair? So this church being one body with many members. So there's this, there's this balance that I think we need to keep in mind. I know of this because uh, Trace and I had nine children, okay? You have nine children, you got a little bit of a dynamic going on. Fair enough? And we've not always got it right, believe me. And I'm not sure we ever totally get it right. But there's this balance of each of those individuals is a child of God with all their different strengths and weaknesses and quirks and styles of communication and styles of music and styles of everything else, right? And in our family, there was nine of those over the years, right? Plus Tracy and I. Well, we're also one, one body. And, so, and, I, and I, I harped on this for a long time, particularly when they were younger. I said, we are a ministry team. We're one body. We're the Murphys. And that matters. That should mean something. We are a ministry team. We are, God made us a team. We're not like nine random particles moving in space. We need to move like a team. If we try to move nine different particles in space, it's chaos. It's complete chaos. You families of multiple kids, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so there's this balance. Like, on the one, on the one hand, I don't want us to be, like, so team-minded that we neglect the particular needs of the individuals. On the other hand, we can't be so consumed with the needs of the individuals and, and everybody's own desires that we lose sight of the team. Does that make sense? And so the same, I think, works for the church. Sometimes I wonder if maybe the Lord gave us nine kids so I could understand how this works for a church. But each member, so we're one church, 
But each person in this church is hugely, catch this, hugely valuable. Let me go further. No one in this church, myself included, is one ounce more valuable than anyone else. We don't have a hierarchy. If there's a, if there's a, uh, uh, in terms of a state of the church, in terms of like, who are we as a church? We are a church with no hierarchy. Now, do we have like enough authority that we have to get things done? Yeah. I mean, if 50 of you all carried the check, the church checkbook, we'd have chaos, right? We wouldn't have corruption. We'd just have chaos, right? And so there's, you know, there's, some, there's some order. But in terms of value, no one, no one is any more important than anyone else, including me, all right? In terms of ministry responsibility, if you're new or if you're visiting, you've not heard me hammer on this. If, you, if you've been here more than two weeks, you probably have. We are all what? Ministers. We're ministers. Did you say sinisters? Yeah, we're all sinister. We're all ministers. We're all in the ministry. We're all in full-time ministry. We're all in full-time ministry. I'm going to go to an office tomorrow morning, right? And I need to see that as a piece of my full-time ministry every bit as much as me sitting here giving a Bible study. And that puts everything in perspective, right? My ministry here is no more ministry than my ministry there. My ministry here is no more important than my ministry there. The only reason people get tripped up, I think, on the full-time, basically, who signs the check, right? Well, if I'm a full-time minister, that means I don't get a check from anybody else, right? Well, I'm, I'm okay getting a check from wherever, as long as I get the check, right? It doesn't matter who, got, who signs the check. We are all in full-time ministry. There's no hierarchy. That's how the body of Christ works. And I believe that's what's exquisitely written out here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so I hammer on this. We don't have a ministry hierarchy. I, I, I get a little tore up when I hear the word full-time ministry. Um, so I'll let it go for now. Verse 15. You know, if the foot should say, I like these, um, I like some of Paul's metaphors. This is a good one. You know, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. You ever, you ever, you ever been tempted to do that? Well, you know, because I'm not on the worship team, I'm really not a part of what's going on. You know, if I don't stand up on stage, I'm not really a, nobody will notice if I'm there or not. That breaks my heart. You know, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Let's answer those questions. No. 
If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God, who? God God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. Not as I please, not as any person else, any other person pleases, but as God pleases. And if all were one member, where would the body be? Right? So by definition, we're all a little bit different. And we're all a little bit unique. If I'm an eye, I don't know what I am. If I were a big toenail, right? And you're not a big toenail, then I'm by definition a little different than you. Is that okay? Can I tell you this? Can I just, and again, this maybe is kind of as, as we are, and, and let me just, if you're new here and you don't know this, the Lord is causing us to grow. Again, that's not our primary objective, but it is who we are. So we want to embrace it. That's awesome, right? But we need to be careful as we grow to try not to make clones of ourselves in others. Does that make sense? You know, I mentioned we have nine kids. You know, when Tracy and I were first married, I was her only problem. Right? She only had one, and it was me. Right? And as the number of human beings increases, right, you know, you do the math, like, I don't know how many different relationships in a, in a group of nine people, how many different interactions there are. But there's plenty of opportunity to bump up against one another and to have the, we'll say, the opportunity to extend grace. Does that make sense? Now, as this church grows, what's going to happen? We're going to have opportunities to extend grace. We need to seize those opportunities. Fair enough? If the human body, I'm sorry, in the human body, if a bunch of similar cells decide to group and cluster together without regard for the body of a whole, what do we call that? Call it cancer. If a group of cells, similar cells, decide to cluster together without regard for the body, it's called cancer. And it spreads. It spreads. And it is detrimental to the heart, to the to the health of the body. The body of Christ is far too often gathered in clusters of, quote, like-minded people that are very unhealthy for the overall body. And so we need to be who we are, but we need to recognize that we're not all a single-celled organism. So how do we guard against this? Number one, we keep what I said at the beginning. We keep our eyes on God and on His leading. We ask, what does He want instead of, what do I want? We ask, what does He want instead of, what do I want? And it's subtle because, frankly, like it or not, we all think we're so, well, okay, I'll just say me, okay? I think I'm so spiritual that I think what God wants and what I want are the same. Right? Duh. What does God want? God wants an awesome cappuccino maker back here, right? 
that spits out about 300 in a minute, right? No, apparently he doesn't, right? So be careful. Sometimes we're so, we got a little bit of a blind spot that we might think that what God wants is the same thing as what I want. And we need to ask the Lord prayerfully, what do you want as we navigate uh, decisions and, and as we navigate life? Verse 20 goes on. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Nor again the he head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are actually necessary. You see this? This is important. Not only are we different and we need to extend grace to one another, catch this, we need one another. We need one another to function as a healthy body. Please catch this. If you're a full-time minister and you're a part of this body and you are a member of this body and you are contributing your part to its health, this body needs you. Well, how does that play out? Well, on Sunday morning, you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm not in the mood. Doesn't matter. No, it matters. It matters if you engage in the body or not. And if the body has a part that doesn't engage, the body needs its other parts. Does that make sense? The body needs its other parts. You know, medical uh, wisdom for so long always has these ways where they think they know more than God about the human body, right? You know, for a long time, we didn't need an appendix, right? It was just an evolutionary leftover, right? Well, guess what? You need an appendix. It's good for your health, right? I mean, that's, there's, a whole, there's a whole litany of those kinds of examples. But the body, the, the, the pieces of the body that think they are not needed or think they are not significant are needed and are significant. And we need to know that. No much rather those members which of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. We are all full-time ministers and we're all necessary parts of a healthy, functioning human body or a body of Christ analogous to the human body. Much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty but our presentable parts have no need but God composed the body having given greater honor to the part which lacks it that there may, should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it or if one member is honored all the members rejoices with it, rejoice with it. So here's another piece, just keep in mind as a body. Some parts are more visible than others. Does that make sense? Right? Now, if you did surgery on me, for example, you opened me up, right? You'd look and you'd say, well, there's a, well, you'd say there's intestines everywhere, right? And you'd say there's a, probably a you know, pretty big liver over here. There's a spleen over here. You'd be able to identify some parts are more visible than others. Does that mean they're more important? Right? 
Again, if you've been here for any period of time, you've probably heard me tell this, my favorite example of this, but I'm going to do it anyway uh, for the sake of you who forgot and uh, you who've never heard it. Your blood has three basic cell types, all right? Nurses in the room, don't correct me. I, may be, I might butcher it. You have white cells, red cells, and platelets. Did I do okay so far? Thanks. Got the nod. Got my nursing nod over here. White cells, red cells, and platelets, right? Now, of those white, so you're like, whatever, who needs three types? Uh, you do. Of the white cells, let's just say, for example, we'll break down the white cells. There are uh, lymphocytes, monocytes, basophils, neutrophils, and eosinophils. I think I got them all. All right? So there's, so there's five different subtypes of white blood cells, which are a subtype of cells in the blood. Fair enough? We've dialed it down now so far to the points that we can't see them, right? We're not talking about the spleen anymore, right? We're talking about white blood cells. It's five different types. Let's pick lymphocytes. Is that all right? You okay if I pick lymphocytes? There are two primary kinds of lymphocytes. There's B lymphocytes and T lymphocytes, right? And you're thinking, you're dialing it down way too far. Who cares? Lymphocyte, schmymphocyte, whatever. B, T, just give me some, right? It's all red anyway, right? <laughs> T lymphocytes. You got T helper, T suppressor, T natural killers. Am I doing okay so far, nurses? You got T helper, T suppressor, T natural killers, right? Let's say a helper. Who needs a helper, right? I don't need help. I'm good, right? Let's say we took out our T helper cells. You know what you, you, know what you get? Anybody know? What causes the uh, reduction of your T helper cells? Anybody know? The HIV virus. Right? If you have enough HIV infection that goes unchecked, you're going to lose your T helper cells. Your T helper cells get low enough, guess what? Oh, now all of a sudden we noticed that we needed them. Isn't that how the body of Christ goes? Right? Hey, you know, Jane Doe seems kind of obscure. Yeah. Whatever. I'm still here right? More food for me if Jane Doe doesn't show up, right? But no, every part is vital. Even the parts that seem unpresentable, even the parts that seem unpresentable, all the body works together, and the human body is such a great picture of the body of Christ, and I think that's why, why the Lord gives it to us. He goes on, he says, uh, now, you are the body of Christ, verse 27, and members individually. And God is appointed. Who did? Who appointed? God. Remember God put the members, uh, chapter 18, or verse 18? Remember God set the members as, just as he pleased? And what, is, what does God do now? God has appointed each of, each of these in the church. 
First, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. So before we get off on a um, doctrinal uh, argument about all that, let's just suffice it to say, there are different members in the body of Christ. And those, those members have different gifts given to them by the Holy Spirit to accomplish those roles that have been given to them, right? So one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for example, is the gift of teaching, right? So if I'm, if I'm in the, the office, if you will, if I'm in the role of a teacher, it would be helpful if I've been also given the spiritual gift of teaching, Right? And so I pray that God would do that, right? Not that I'll like be so smart and, and articulate and blah, 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 but that God would just do that. And honestly, sometimes I'll say stuff, and you don't care about this, but uh, we'll just talk about me for a little while. Sometimes I'll say stuff. When I'm teaching, if I've been prayed up, and, I'll, and, I'll, and it's like the Lord will bring a scripture to my mind or some sort of insight to my mind, and I know, I'm not going to tell you, but I know that that is way smarter than me. Yeah. I know it. I'm not going to tell you, but I know it, right? And so what's the Lord doing? He's confirming that, right? So God gives, God puts just as he, he has as he pleased, he appoints different people to do different things in the church. Some are more visible. Some are less visible. None are any more important than the others. But he puts members together very, very intentionally, and he empowers and gifts each of us to do those jobs that we've been called to do. Fair enough? Now, you may say, well, what about, you know, I want to do that. You know, who, who puts it together? God. And lest we um, consider, like, how does that work and what are my roles and I want this role and I want that role and I want this gift and I want that gift. You know what Paul says? I love this. He says, and yet I'll show you a more excellent way. And many of us know, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, you know, in the original manuscript, there wasn't a chapter break there. There wasn't a big 13 right there in blue in, in their Bible, right? There was just, it just continued. Paul starts talking about love. Chapter 13 is all about love. What's better than trying to decide who goes where and what gift I have? Love. What causes the body of Christ to be healthy? When its members have love. Does it matter that I'm wired this way or I act like a big toenail and you act like a spleen? Love. Love. Do we have opportunities to extend grace if we all walk in love? Love. He says that's the more excellent way. So what do we do? Who are we? We're people that are anchored on the word of God because he says your word is truth. And as truth is being redefined, we need to be a beacon of truth. And so we need to know the whole Word of God. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Sometimes that means waiting. And we need to function as a healthy human body. So, I will just, as again, as kind of where, where I believe the Lord has taken us uh, for 2024. Is that okay? You got another minute? Very good. It's a rhetorical question because the right answer is yes or too bad. <laughs> it's like somebody said, what's it mean when a pastor says in closing? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, or he's halfway there. <laughs> yeah, uh, it means absolutely nothing. Uh, but anyway, so we want to be beacons of light in our community, right? We want to be a healthy church. We want to be a healthy body made up of healthy members who recognize that everyone is valuable, not only valuable, but needed, necessary, not only the visible ones, but the ones that seem less visible because that's how the human body works, and God gives us the human body as an example, right? We need to do that by the power of the Spirit according to the, the principles of the Word. And so as He uh, equips us for every good work, we're going to keep teaching the Bible cover to cover. Next week we start the book of Amos. We want to be equipped. We want to live in a world that's redefining truth and we need to present truth to others. We need to follow the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that looks different in different people. Now you say, well, I didn't grow up in one of those kind of churches. How does that work? You ready? You want to hear the formula? You pray. Luke 11, verses 11 to 13. Jesus says, you know, well, how about I don't butcher it? He said, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a, serp a scorpion? Like if, you're, if your child is hungry and says, hey, Dad, can I have some, something to eat? And you give him a rock like that's funny, right? Or a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know how you get the Holy Spirit? You say, dear God, please fill me with your spirit. And by the way, Ephesians tells us that we need to be, not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And the verb there is to be continually being filled with the spirit. We need to be, we can't rest on yesterday's spirit, right? We need to be continually seeking God. Lord, please fill me with your spirit today. Please fill me with your spirit today. I woke up today feeling the need to be filled with the spirit today, right? And so, we need to, to be people of the Word, be empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit comes by prayer, just by simply asking. And we need to be good stewards of the lives and resources that God has brought. I will tell you this. Uh, we're meeting with the landlord of this. Whole, there's a landlord that owns the whole building here. We're going to be meeting with him this week. So you can be praying for that. Uh, the Lord, I believe, has given us really good favor with this gentleman. And... Um, and he likes us. Go figure. And uh, so uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, expanding into the restaurant space next door. Okay? It won't happen overnight. Truthfully, this will probably take about a year. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, when we do that, we're going to, uh, Lord willing, it looks, and again, looks like the Lord is leading this. This is not my strategy by any means, believe me. Um, 
build some classroom space out there and then tear out this classroom space here and have some more kind of openness here and then take this wall all the way to the back and expand the sanctuary so um, uh, to accommodate those of you who are late. <laughs> right? Uh, I feel your pain. Those of you who walk in late, it's getting harder and harder. I feel your pain. Right? I'm not making eye contact with anybody but the clock right now. I feel your pain. <laughs> We're here for you. So, uh, yeah. So, just pray for that, right? Where God guides, God provides. I'm going to tell you this, just in case anybody's ever been through this, and I mean no, no disrespect at all. You will never, as long as I'm the pastor here, you will never see a thermometer on this stage. Ever. Okay. And uh, we're just going to pray that God will roll it out. There may be times when, I, when, when we make you aware of, you know, what needs might be, what opportunities might be, all right? Is that fair? But it's, that's about as hard as it's going to get, right? And uh, I believe with all my heart, Chuck Smith used to always say, where God guides, God provides. And uh, nobody needs to be course and anything. I do not like manipulation. So that's just my, that's one of my quirks. All right. So that's where the Lord has us. We're going to keep reading the word, right? Keep studying the word. We're going to keep um, uh, waiting on the Holy Spirit and following him as he leads us. We're going to keep trying to function as a, as a healthy human body with uh, the acknowledgement of the value and the need and the necessity of each of us as individuals playing a vital part. And by the way, you might ask, that's a whole nother uh, hour that I won't, I'll spare you. But you're like, well, how do I know like my part, right? We don't have, did you notice we don't have committees? We don't have a lot of uh, like departments, right? No, not a lot of organization, right? We just follow the Lord because that's kind of what they did in the book of Acts. And, um, but I believe as God would lead you, and you prayerfully ask God, like, God, what, what, should I, what should I do? Very often, can I tell you this? Very often, it's nothing more than being an encouragement to that person that's right in front of you in that moment. It doesn't have to be a committee assignment. Matter of fact, that quickly undermines it. But just ask God to lead you. Lord, what would you have me do or say or how can I encourage this person or that person? How can I help that person? Even though that person's a little different than me, how can I help that person be the best body part they can be? And then we all function as a healthy body. All right? Lord, we do thank you for what you're doing here. We thank you that you are alive and well in 2024. You're alive and well all over the world and you're alive and well here. And Lord, we celebrate that. And we ask, Lord, that you would just cause us to be faithful stewards of uh, this body that you've allowed us to be a part of, that we would do our part, that we would recognize that we are each individually vital to the health of this body. We ask that you would... Um, Give us wisdom and insight by your spirit. We ask that you would empower us to do what we need to do, what you've called us to do, and that we would um, uh, freely embrace uh, the order that you have, that you've put uh, things together 
as you desire. Lord, help us to be led by you completely. In Jesus' name, amen.